Blog Talk Radio. Stevie B's Media Production is a part of the Shellcaster Network. The proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ by members of the Churches of Christ. With your host, Stevie R. Butler, you're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Gospel Light Radio Show. I'm your host this evening, Stevie R. Butler from the state of North Carolina, right here in the Carolina studio. With my co-host, Tim Bitch from the state of Texas, Limit Million from the state of Texas, Courtney Carruthers from the state of Illinois, Steve Corder from the state of Illinois, Dr. Frank Washington from the state of Florida, Clay Phillips from the state of Georgia, Brian Christian Coleman from the state of New Jersey, Robert Lee Johnson from the state of Florida. Ladies and gentlemen, we are grateful that you are tuned into our radio broadcast this evening. This radio show is brought to you by loving and faithful members of the Churches of Christ, and we ask you to take out your Bibles and study along with us. We have a very exciting show planned for your spiritual enlightenment and your edification. If you'd like to contact us while we're on there this evening, just give me a call to the live show at 713-955-0508. If you have any questions or comments from any of my co-hosts on this broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, butlersteve1009 at yahoo.com. Or you can give me a call, Stevie B's Media Production, the Carolina studio at 910-491-6400. Now, again, this program is brought to you by members of the Churches of Christ. And if you need any assistance to locate a congregation in your area, please feel free to contact us. Now, folks, get out your Bibles and stand along with us here on the Gospel Light Radio Show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Before we go into our program for this evening, I would ask you to do it by with me in a word of prayer that we may thank God for this opportunity. Our most kind, gracious, loving, heavenly Father, the Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for allowing us to go through the various activities of the day and placing it on our hearts that we are on this broadcast and we are prepared now to present a portion of your holy and divine word. Father, we pray that you will be my co-host on the broadcast, Dr. Frank Washington, as he breaks unto us the bread of life. And also my co-host, Tim Bench, as he answers the questions that are on the hearts of so many. We just pray that you will bless them and their families that support their efforts, that they may continue to sow the seed 
of the kingdom. Father, we pray that you will bless our listeners who are tuning in via Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media. We pray that they may listen well and that their hearts may be pricked as they consider their eternal stance before you and their soul salvation. And it will cause them to ask the question, what must I do to be saved? Father, we thank you so much for sending the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who died such a cruel death on Calvary's cross. For we recognize that without such a sacrifice, we will not have a hope of eternal life. Father, even now, we ask that you'll forgive us for the transgressions of our own heart. We know our flesh is weak, and we often fall short of thy will. Father, we pray that you will continue to bless us and keep us and love us all the days of our lives. And if we have been faithful until death, Father, we pray that you would save us. For us in Christ's name, we do ask it all. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into the broadcast. I will, we'll just have one speaker on the show tonight in the first segment, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington. He serves with the West Broward Church of Christ there in Plantation, Florida. He'll be making this proclamation of the gospel of Christ. And in the second segment, I have a question from my shout-out platform on social media, Facebook. I'll be posing to my co-host, Tim Bench. He serves with the Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. So open up your Bibles and open your minds, and let's have a great show. After the break, the next one should be that of my co-host. Dr. Frank Washington. Enjoy the show. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shine from the shore. Shine the light. 
that gospel light Let it shine, let it shine You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Give your attention to the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, and his subject, The Real Meaning of Life. Thank you, Brother Stevie, for this wonderful opportunity to be with your listeners on tonight. Um, This is a message that I taught for spoke on that the last time we were here and uh, it did not get through to you. Um, so I'm going to try to redo this message as, as much as I can. Uh, and I hope that you will appreciate it uh, in the same vein. What is the real meaning of life in revelation chapter five, one through 14, I'm not going to read it all, but many of you know that in revelation uh, chapter five, it talks about the lamb who, takes the scroll, and we find that the characters in that uh, narrative, that uh, apocalyptic narrative, talk about uh, who is worthy to open the scroll and uh, to loose its seals. But in the middle of all the, that uh, narrative, we find some very interesting things and dynamics that are going on. Where am I going is the question. What am I doing? What is the real meaning uh, of life? But there is a story that I I told before about a large Navy vessel on a very foggy day which picked up on its radar something straight ahead on a collision course with a very large battleship. Now, the captain signaled to Uh, to it and said, alter your course 10 degrees south. The reply came back, you alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain uh, then signaled, I am an admiral 10 degrees south. Well, back came the reply, I am an able seaman. You alter your course 10 degrees north. The captain, furious by now, signaled back, I am a battleship. Alter your course. 10 degrees south. Back came the reply. I am a lighthouse. Well, that sense of confusion and not being able to see clearly is something that many of us many times feel about life in general, especially with the pandemic that's going on now and and the variants that are going that that are coming into play now. Uh, how how do we make sense of it? Uh, what's all what's it all about? What's the meaning of life? Well, in looking at Revelation chapter five, you cannot understand five without the fourth chapter of the book of Revelation, as the Apostle John gets or got a glimpse behind the scenes 
into the control center of the universe. The door was open, and he saw God seated on the throne. Now, if you if you are um, an avid Shakespeare person, you know, um, to use Shakespeare's famous words, all the world's a stage and the men and women merely players. But in this narrative, God is the director of the play, seated in the director's chair. You and I have a definite role to play, to make of our assigned characters what he will. But I said there was a problem. By an act of monumental carelessness on the part of someone in scene one, all the copies of the script have been lost. As a result, none of us know our lines, nor have we any clear memory of. Indeed, things are so bad that some people deny there was ever a script at all. There is no plot, no sense, no meaning of life whatsoever. But the Bible says they were all mistaken. And having pointed us to the director's chair in Revelation chapter 4, it now reveals for us the missing script in chapter 5. The Bible says in verse 1, Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. But hey, what is this scroll? Well, the following chapters make it clear that it contained the secrets of the universe, the secrets of life itself. This is the missing script. We actors uh, may have lost our copies, but mercifully the director still has his original, and he's holding on to it. And here, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, friends and visitors, here is the meaning of life. But there's a problem, says John. In his typically symbolic way, it is sealed with seven seals. And the cry goes up for someone who's worthy enough to open up the seals, to interpret its meaning someone who can make sense of life, who's able to provide us with the real meaning of life. Verse number two, who can unravel it? What about some of the wisest people our world has ever produced? Plato, Socrates, Isaac Newton, Albert Einstein, Stephen Hawking, the challenges goes on and on, but nobody responds. No man, no angel even has the necessary qualifications to make sense of it all. It's all a question of worthiness. And no one, it seems, is found worthy. So what happens? Well, we find that John begins to cry. In verse number four, he says, I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. And here's the pain and agony of our world. Feel intuitively that there is a purpose to our being here. There's a purpose for you and me being here. But it remains a Analyzing mirage, I guess, haunting our dreams, but always eluding our grasp. These tears of John are echoed by countless thousands of human beings each and every day from north, south, east, and west. Things always go wrong. Try as you may, but as they say, utopia never comes. But no wonder John weeps. Is life this meaningless? Is there no point at all? Is there no one who can break through the confusion and make sense of it all, who can really make a difference? Well, in verse number five, here's what happens. If you look at the script at verse number five, 
Then one of the elders said to me, said to John, John, seize the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. He has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Ah, of course. The Messiah predicted the Old Testament. Those titles, Lion of Judah, Root of David, all of those titles are lifted straight out of the passage of the Old Testament. They apply to this one that it keeps looking forward. But no one has chosen an anointed, which is what the word Messiah literally means, by God, who comes to earth and sorts out all our problems. All those great prophets like Isaiah, Jeremiah were looking forward to such a person coming. If anybody can make sense of the world, I guarantee you, he can. Then I saw a lamb, the Bible says in verse 6, looking as if it had been slain, standing in the center of the throne. But if you look in the entire book of Revelation, I don't think there's a greater master stroke than this. Look for the lion, the all-conquering and all-powerful one. But John sees a lamb, a beast of weakness, a beast of harmlessness and innocence. But most of all, to a Jew like John, a beast of sacrifice, a lamb looking as uh, if it had been slain. Now, if you notice these characters, most nations look for a powerful animal to portray their characteristics. The Russian bear, the American eagle, the British bulldog or lion, and so on and so forth. But only the kingdom of heaven would dare to use as its symbol a lamb, and a slain lamb at that. But this lamb is not lying prostrate on a butcher's lab or a butcher's slab. He's standing. In the Bible, it says he has horns, seven of them, seven symbols of power. He has eyes, seven of them symbols of all seeing spirit of God. But it's a strange mix that this picture is of Jesus. But then Jesus is a strange mix, isn't he? Meekness and majesty, perfection and harmony, all wrapped up in one. As Graham Kendrick said uh, in one of his hymns, he portrayed him as the conquering through sacrifice. Or as Apostle Paul put it in his first letter to the Corinthians, the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. There's somebody who can make sense of it all. In all of our human history, all throughout the courts of heaven, there's just one figure who has significant qualifications to unravel the meaning of life, to unravel your meaning of life. What are you doing here? What is your purpose? Do you know it? But this man can open up the scroll of our lives. No matter how many times it's been sealed, And I can talk about some seals that a lot of us have that we don't want open. But Jesus can open them. And that figure is Jesus Christ. Only he's able to make sense of it all. But there are two things, uh, important things, above all else, that we need to notice about this lamb. Two things we need to grasp about Jesus. And they could probably be the two most important observations in the whole book of Revelation. So stay with me. Here we go. The first observation is uh, the significance of the death of Jesus. We have to understand the key significance of the death of Jesus. In verse number nine, the Bible says, and they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. Why is Jesus, the lion that is the lamb, worthy to open up the scroll? 
Why is it only Jesus who can make sense of it all? Because, the Bible says, you were slain. Not because of who he might be, the Son of God come from heaven. Not because of his life or marvelous teaching. Not because of his role as a great religious leader, but because of his death. That is what qualifies Jesus to be the one who opens the scroll. One of the most amazing things, people, one of the most amazing things about Jesus is that his death is much more important than his life. In most biographies, a person's death is alluded to briefly in the last chapter. But in the Gospels, the death of Jesus is central. It's the point. Nearly half of what's written about Jesus concerns the last week of his life and his death. Why? Is that? Well, I'm glad you asked that question. Here's the answer. It's because it's his death that makes him supremely worthy to open the scroll. Verse number nine says, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased men. You redeemed men and women for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Oh, what a blessing. But by his death, Jesus paid a price. He purchased. He paid the price for human failure. He paid our debt. And boy, did we have a huge debt that we could not pay. But when he died, he cried out, it's finished, or paid in full, or telestai. It was as if all our wrong thoughts, all our wrong deeds, all our flaws uh, in our character were one gigantic bill which we owed to God, but we couldn't pay it. But we owed it to a God who was so concerned with justice that he would not pretend it did not matter. A God who was so loving that he could not let it cut off from him, that we, he couldn't let, the, uh, let us be cut off from him forever. So in Jesus, he paid the bill himself. So this is why the death of Jesus across is the focal point of Christian worship and Christian living. If you got something to shout about, it's about Jesus who died for you and for me. Because this is what makes Jesus worthy. This is what makes Jesus able to make sense of life. It's just this, his death on the cross. This is the means by which God solves the problem of the world and affects the fulfillment of all its purposes. The world may see Calvary as just the execution of a suspected criminal or the martyrdom of a saint, but heaven sees it as the turning point of human history. Only, it is only because the lamb was slain that the seals on the scroll can be opened. And something beautiful about this, if you want the seals of your life to be open so that you can see the real Jesus, and let Jesus have his way uh, in your life. So there's no more world-shattering event that has ever occurred in the death of Jesus. For it was John who said, it has not changed the course of human history. It has even changed something about heaven. Because in heaven, they sing a new song right now. And that was the significance of his death. Now let's take a unique position. Look at the unique position uh, of Jesus. Do you see where Jesus is? He's not standing around and throne with the elders and the living creatures. He is now on the throne. Is he on the throne of your life? But Jesus, he's not perched precariously on 
the edge of it either. John is quite emphatic. According to verse 6, he is at the center of the throne. Who's at the center of your life? Who's at the center of your life? But more even than that, she shares the chorus of adoration that surrounds the throne. First, the elders and the living creatures sing to him, you are worthy, you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals, verse 9. Scarcely they have they finished when they're joined by the innumerable company of angelic hosts. That's how important it is. Add their voice to the chorus of praise. Worthy is the lamb, verse 12. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Thousands upon thousands, verse 13. And 10,000 times, 10,000 sang, and scarcely have they finished than the chorus was taken up afresh by the whole of creation. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb of praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. But in the whole of the Bible, my friend, you will not find a scene more triumphant, more stunning in its splendor, more gripping in its spectacle. It was these verses that first inspired Handel to begin his great work, the Messiah. I don't know if you guys know about that, but and they formed the final chorus, the climax to it. They portray a mind-blowing symphony of praise. And who's it offered to? Jesus. And this is the Jesus that we worship today. Now, this may damn him for faint praise. They may call him just a prophet or a philosopher or a great man. They have, you know, many theories about what he came to do. But heaven laughs at such nonsense. If you read Psalm 2 and 4, you're going to find how, why heaven laughs at such nonsense. For it only knows one Jesus, and that is Jesus the King, Jesus the enthroned Lamb, Jesus the one who occupies the very center of the universe, Jesus the only one who can make sense of life and your life and give it any meaning. I hope to, you know, one day do more on the book of Revelation that focuses on the two alternatives that seek to make sense of things and give life its meaning, that give people help in their confusion. They are politics and religion. I'll get to that at some other point later on, but the book of Roman, or I'm sorry, the book of Revelation will say while they can both, politics and, uh, and religion, both be used for great good in our world. They can also both be great evil and harm for our world. Now, neither politics nor religion can provide the answers to uh, or, or our world so desperately needs. It can't. It cannot. If you're looking for politics, if you're looking for our politicians, if you're looking for religion to provide the answers our world so desperately needs, you're looking in the wrong place. What people need is not a political solution. What, we, what, what, what people need, what, what, what the world needs, uh, is not a political solution, nor do they need more religion. What we need is Jesus, because for in him and in Jesus alone can be found the answer to the meaning of life. No angel in heaven, no man on earth, no figure from the past can explain it. Only Judah's lion, David's root the man from Nazareth, 
who is God in the flesh. My friends, as I let this lesson go and give it off to you, only Jesus can make sense of it all. Will you join with the living creatures and elders and the angels and all the creatures, and will you join me and bow our knees to him because he is worthy. He is worthy to take the scroll and open the seals and tell us the meaning of life. May God bless you. May he bless you real good. I hope this lesson was helpful for you. Uh, And keep your hand in God's hand. Stay in God's grip. Amen. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Thinking about what you've done for me in my life, I just want to say what you really mean to me. You're my everything, my joy and peace. You're the reason why I sing. Lord, I don't deserve anything you give me, so I just gotta say thank you. Oh, what's nice with your love and grace, so I just gotta tell you this.
You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Is your congregation in need of lending for a building or expansion project? As your partner and advocate, Diversified Financial Network will take the time to understand your unique situation and develop a financing solution that meets your specific needs. It's an exciting time for your congregation, and what you need is a company with expertise in church financing early in the process. Call us today at 1-866-513-6665 or visit us at www.diversifiedfinancegroup.com. These are the announcements for the events and activities in the Churches of Christ. If you'd like to have your events and activities announced on this radio broadcast, you can send your emails to my new email address, Steve 1009 at yahoo.com, or you can give me a call to find a studio at 910-491-6405. On Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 9 p.m. I'm sorry, 7 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Central Standard Time and 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. There'll be a nationwide gospel call that's sponsored by the Church of Christ in Highland Heights, Houston, Texas. And the telephone number of this call is 857-216-6700. And the access code is 328-497. This is a nationwide outreach to those who are not members of the Churches of Christ. And the speakers will be presenting a basic salvation message for them to learn what they must do in order to be saved as well as information about the Churches of Christ. It's also intended to strengthen the faith and edify those who are Christians. On Tuesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, the Delcrest Church of Christ from San Antonio, Texas, presents the Women's Virtual Bible Class. And this class will be held on www.zoom.com. And the class ID number is 821-3692-8262. Daily from 6 a.m. Central Standard Time, the Ladies in Christ Prayer Line, hosted by the Church of Christ from Lafayette, Louisiana, has their telephone number to this prayer line is 605-472-5203. And access code is 514-859. My co-host Steve Cordell here on the Gospel Light Radio Show, he has a new book entitled God, Grace, and You. And you can order this book from the 21st Century Christian catalog. Stevie B's new production presents What I Work in the Lord radio show that airs here on Tuesday night. We have two new productions that air every third Tuesday and fourth Tuesday of the month. The Mid-Tennessee Singles Ministry will air on the third Tuesday of the month. And my co-host Shauna Otis from the Grayway Church of Christ there in Nashville, Tennessee. She has a committee of uh, members that will be presenting that show every third Tuesday of the month and also we have a new show kelly fletcher presents the kelly fletcher show she has a variety of topics that she's dealing with in the church and that is a very great show i think you really enjoy what you're hearing from the kelly fletcher show that show will air every fourth tuesday of the month on what a word in the lord radio show i'd like to give a shout out to oh just my program announcements, ladies and gentlemen. Just like to remind you of what we're doing here on Blog Talk Radio on the Stevie B's Media Production. This show, these shows will air live, and the, the call-in number to this live show is 713-955-0508, or type in your search bar www.blogtalkradio.com 
Forward slash Gospel Light Radio Show. On Tuesday, Gospel Light Radio Show will air. I'm sorry, the Water of the Lord will radio show will air from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. On the first Tuesday of the month, there will be no show scheduled. On the second Tuesday of the month, I have a guest speaker from the Brotherhood of the Churches of Christ be presenting a message from the Word of God. And we also have the Community Corner on that show. That's for small business owners and entrepreneurs who have products and services for our communities. And also my co-host, Lou Gibbons from the Overbrook Park Church of Christ there in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, will be presenting a message from the Word of God on this broadcast, as well as my co-host, Isa Mullins from the Helen Street Church of Christ here in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And then on Thursday evening each week from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, I'll be hosting the live show, the Gospel Light Radio Show. And I have eight co-hosts on this show who will be presenting messages from the Word of God. And each week we'll have two of my co-hosts on the air with me. I'm also taking a question from my social media platform on Facebook. Shout it out. I'll be posing to one of my co-hosts on the air. And then on Friday night, we are hosting a new at a new time from 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 8 to 10 p.m. Central Standard Time. I'll be hosting a live show, Stevie B Acapella Gospel Music Blast Radio Show. And on that broadcast, I'm playing some of the world's greatest acapella gospel music artists, the sweet sounds of voices. And on this Christmas Eve, there will be no show scheduled for tomorrow night. No show scheduled for tomorrow night. But we will be having a show on New Year's Eve. We'll be bringing in the new year on the air here on Blog Talk Radio. That'll be a three-hour show. We'll start at 9, and the show will end at 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that'll be a three-hour show. If you can't catch any of these live shows, wherever you're getting your favorite podcast from, just type in your search bar, Stevie B Media Production, and you'll see all of the live, all of the shows that we're producing here on a weekly basis. And there's over 600 episodes, well, 600 episodes on those various platforms. So there's a lot of content there for you to choose from. I'd like to give a shout out to all of my sponsors who are sponsoring these radio shows. And if you would like to be a sponsor for these radio shows, just contact my sponsor, my sponsorship manager. Her name is Michelle Marco from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Her telephone number is 954-687-4705. Sharon Norwood from Chicago, Illinois. Bethesda Memorial Funeral Director Cemetery Services from DeSoto, Texas. Stanley Phillips from Little Rock, Arkansas. Cheryl Morrow from Charlotte. North Carolina, Yvonne Blazing Cracker Gooch from Nashville, Tennessee, Melvin Jackson from High Point, North Carolina, Marquise Hallman from Charlotte, North Carolina, Stephanie Booker Wilson from Greensboro, North Carolina, Diversified Financial Network LLC out of Dallas, Texas, home with Marcus Charlotte Carroll, and Ordained Faith Publishing from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. The three E's of Stephen B's Media Production it is the objective of this broadcast. We want to educate, we want to edify, we want to encourage you in a study of God's Word. And that will conclude our program announcement. Stay tuned. Our shout it out question is coming up next. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Eradicate from your mind. All right, you worship. Time to forget about all the trouble the devil's brought in our life. Give it over to God. Yeah. I want you to know right now at this time. We gotta give him praise. 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Shout it out, question. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the portion of the broadcast where I have a question from my social media platform on shout out. We're going to pose to my co host, Tim Bench, from the Oham Lane Church of Christ there in Abilene, Texas. Tim, how are you doing this evening? Doing well, Stevie, and want to wish everyone a happy. Uh... Christmas time in the next few days. I know that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, this question is from the anonymous queries from the state of North Carolina. And the text that will be used in this question, taking this question from is Matthew chapter 27 and verse 25. And let me go ahead and read the question first. And Tim and I ask you the question. The question reads, then answered all the people and said, his blood be on us children. Now here's the question. Since the Jews are the ones who had Jesus Christ killed, would you say this scripture has been fulfilled? What say you to this question? This is a great question, Stevie, and this is one that we have addressed before. The Jews are not the ones who had Jesus Christ killed. They have been accused of that throughout history, but that is categorically untrue. We can look at historical references. We can also look at the Bible itself, which we're going to do briefly tonight. Let's start with Matthew chapter 27, verses 34 and 35. And this uh, echoes what you just read. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water and washed his hands before the crowd, saying, I am innocent of this man's blood. 
See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, His blood be on us and our children. There is a term that is commonly used for this, and it's the term blood curse. And it's frequently applied to Jewish descendants of this event. And it's noteworthy that this specific comment appears nowhere else anywhere in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So let's look at who actually killed Jesus. This is from Who Killed Jesus by Frank Flynn. And the question we want to ask as we start to look at these sources is, was it the Jews or was it the Roman Empire? From Frank Flynn, quote, The Romans killed Jesus as a political threat, as they had killed many other prophets, rebels during the first century, Josephus, the Jewish historian, recounts many examples in his Jewish war and Jewish antiquities. Had the Jewish authorities been directly involved, Jesus would have been stoned, as Stephen was in Acts 7. Only Roman authorities could authorize crucifixions, and they often did so on a gruesome, massive scale, end quote. This is uh, from the Daily Beast with Candida Moss back on November the 5th, 2013. And who she's quoting here is Reza Aslan. He's a, a scholar, I believe, at the University of North Carolina who came out with a book on this several years ago, quoting Aslan, quote, The method of execution settles the question once and for all. Crucifixion was a strictly Roman punishment for crimes against the state, end quote. Aslan continues, and this is from his book, Zealot, quote, If the high priest did in fact question Jesus about his messianic ambitions, and if Jesus' answer did signify blasphemy, then the Torah could not be clearer about the punishment. Leviticus 24, verse 16, The one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. The congregation shall stone him to death. That is the punishment inflicted upon Stephen for his blasphemy when he calls Jesus the Son of Man, Acts 7, verse 1 through 60. Stephen is not transferred to Roman authorities to answer for his crime. He is stoned to death on the spot. Under the Roman Imperium, the Jews did not have the authority to execute criminals, though that did not stop them from killing Stephen. But we cannot lose sight of the fundamental fact with which we began. Jesus is not stoned to death by the Jews for blasphemy. He is crucified by Rome for sedition, end quote. And Stevie, the importance of this cannot be, over, cannot be overstated. Leviticus 24:16, the verse that we just looked at, is undeniably clear. Anyone, according to Scripture, anyone who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to death and stoned, that's exactly what happens to Stephen. So therefore, we know who the killers of Stephen were. Those were the Jews. That was not the faith that Jesus suffered, so we know that the Jews were not responsible. This is from the Crucifixion of Jesus and the Jews by Mark Allen Powell. Quote, Jesus was crucified as a Jewish victim of Roman violence. On this, all written authorities agree a Gentile Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, condemned him to death and had him tortured and executed by Gentile Roman soldiers. Jesus was indeed one of thousands of Jews crucified by the Romans, end quote. 
This is from John Meacham in Newsweek back in February of 2004. Quote, in the age of Roman domination, only Rome crucified. The crime was sedition, not blasphemy, a civil crime, not a religious one. The two men who were killed along with Jesus are identified in some translations as thieves, but the word can also mean insurgents, supporting the idea that crucifixion was a political weapon used to send a message to those still living, beware of revolution or riot, or Rome will do this to you too. The two earliest and most reliable extra-biblical references to Jesus, those of the historians Josephus and Tacitus, say that Jesus was executed by Pilate, end quote. Let's look at some context here. Let's, let's refer back to Matthew chapter 27, and let's go to verse 20. Let's read that together. The chief priest and the elders persuaded the crowd. Yet the mob at Jesus' trial was comprised of Jews. They were gathered in Jerusalem for Passover, but they were incited by religious leaders who had rejected Jesus years earlier. We can reference Matthew chapter 12, verse 14. The ringleaders of this mob bear the responsibility, as does Pilate. It was Pilate who presided over such a travesty of justice, and also the mob's self-indictment was spoken by some Jews, not all of them. This verse tells us who these Jews were who were persuading the crowd. It was not all Jews. It was, and I quote, the chief priests and the elders. And as we know, Jesus himself was a Jew, as were all his disciples, and they certainly are not going to call down a curse upon themselves. This is a citation from John Townsend in the Gospel of John and the Jews, the story of a religious divorce. Quote, in the Roman trial, all the Gospels agree that Jesus was charged with claiming to be king of the Jews and that Jewish pressure forced the governor to condemn Jesus, who he believed to be innocent. In the Synoptic Gospels, however, it is the Jewish crowd that cries out against Jesus, Mark 15, 11 through 15, while in John, the Jewish presence at the trial is limited to the chief priest and their office, officers, John chapter 19, verse 6. Even though John regularly refers to those demanding Jesus' death as the Jews in 1831, verse 38, 19, verse 7, 19, verse 12, 19, verse 14, etc., the context makes it clear that these Jews are merely and only the priestly delegation, according to chapter 19, verse 6, and chapter 19, verse 15. Certainly, John's account of the Roman trial contains nothing so anti-Jewish as Matthew 27, 25, according to which the Jewish people demanded that responsibility for Jesus' death fall upon all of them and their children. Still the fact that John frequently chose to identify the priestly de delegation as the Jews would lead the casual reader to believe that it was the Jewish people who forced the crucifixion, end quote. And again, I think the importance of that cannot be overstated. It was not the Jewish people. It was this Jewish priestly de uh, delegation, which is uh, supported by Scripture. So, in conclusion, the Jews may have been complicit with the killing 
of Jesus. They certainly would have been happy about Jesus' death for the most part. He was viewed as a social threat, as a religious threat, and even as a political threat. But the Jews did not have the legal power to put Jesus to death. The Roman authorities did have that authority. Even the method which was used to kill Jesus, crucifixion, indicates very clearly that Rome was the culprit. And again, if the Jews had killed Jesus, it would have been done in the manner described in Leviticus 24, verse 16. That was specifically how Stephen was killed. It was not how Jesus was killed. And I want to, uh, again, thank you for allowing us to look at this question, Stevie. This, again, is something that's come up before but I think it's so important to look at. Over the centuries, the Jews have been accused countless times of being Christ killers or responsible for Jesus' death. That simply is not true historically. It is not true biblically. Hey, Tim, I certainly appreciate your efforts on this question tonight. And I have no problem uh, repeating questions on the broadcast because there's just so many people who have not heard these answers you know, so we just got to take that in consideration as well. So thank you for Absolutely. your efforts tonight. It, you know, I know that with as many listeners as you have, Stevie, you're going to get questions sometimes that may be, you know, uh, questions that have been submitted before. I think we've got new listeners, and I think there's also nothing wrong with listeners who have, you know, perhaps heard this information before hearing it again. You know, I think it right. benefits both groups. Right. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Shout it out question. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. It ain't easy. No. Sometimes it gets hard down here, Lord. Sometimes it gets rough. So rough, so rough Sometimes it gets tough for me 
Listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank you for tuning into the broadcast this evening. We certainly appreciate those who've been following this radio show on Blog Talk Radio as well as through social media and Facebook Live. I want to thank my co-host, Dr. Frank Washington, for that fine lesson. Like he said, he did that lesson before, but we had some technical difficulty on that show, so that show was not published. So he agreed to do that lesson again tonight, and we certainly appreciate. His efforts. Also, want to thank my co-host Tim Bench. He always does a great job in answering these questions. We appreciate all of our co-hosts who are working diligently, diligently on these broadcasts week after week. 
and we just appreciate them so much for what they have done over these years in their proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ladies and gentlemen, we are just thrilled to be able to bring you a weekly broadcast, and this is our prayer that the lessons that were given on this radio show have been beneficial to your spiritual lives, and that your relationship with the Lord has been strengthened because you're not only tuning in this radio show, but you've given yourself over to a study of God's Word. I'm your host, Stephen R. Butler, and I want to say on behalf of all of my co-hosts on the Gospel Light Radio Show, we really do appreciate your love and support for these radio programs. Good night, everybody. God bless you. You're listening to the Gospel Light Radio Show. When I see the Just give him your heart. 
listening to the gospel light radio show you've been listening to the gospel light radio show episode 250 and if you miss me from singing Sing and you can't find me nowhere, nowhere. come on up to glory, glory. I'll be singing the best. Yes, I will. And I know the Lord. He will greet me over yonder, over all the other shores. So glory. glory, I'll be praising the best. Heard a minister say to see other days Down on my knees, down on my 